principle, a guiding philosophy in the Deloney house is we choose guilt over resentment. That means if everybody's having a big holiday party and it's gonna require us to alter our travel plans to get back and we're gonna have to go buy new outfits and we're gonna have to find a sitter and it's too hard to find, it's not gonna work for our family this season. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of The Rachel Cruz Show Podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. So in this episode, we're gonna talk about how to save your money and your relationships this holiday season. I'll go over why the comment, oh, my parents' generation had it so much easier, how that is a lie. Then you're gonna hear a conversation I had with Ramsey personality and friend, Dr. John Deloney, on why it's more important to choose guilt over resentment with the people you love. This is a fascinating conversation and a really great reminder leading into the holidays. But first, let's talk about the advantages to having a minimal Christmas. Take a listen. Don't you love Christmas? I mean, there's just something about it. You don't get this kind of spirit with Thanksgiving. You don't get it on Valentine's Day, Halloween, no other time of the year. Is life just that festive? Does life just smell that good? Christmas is just my favorite, but it can be very, very easy to spend a ton of money over the season, and then you pack on inflation with it, and life gets expensive. And I think people just feel the pressure during this time of year to buy gifts, to go to events, and and to have new outfits, and it's like every little thing that you have to do, and then you look back year after year and things just are getting more and more expensive. So Americans spend on average about $997 on gifts and other items during the Christmas season. Yeah, almost a thousand bucks. And total holiday sales in the U.S. in 21 alone added up to $886 billion. And also last year, 36% of consumers went into debt for Christmas expenses, and almost 40% used buy now, pay later programs to do their shopping. So I want to talk through how do you make Christmas minimal? How do you have a minimal Christmas? And it doesn't mean that you can't buy gifts or decorate your home to feel festive and cozy and to have fun. No, 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 no. It just means cutting back on things that are not necessary for you and your family and stuff that you probably don't even want to do in the first place, but you feel pressured to because of friends, family, or just the culture. And it's getting rid of the things, again, that drain your money and distract you from actually enjoying the Christmas season. So here are my tips for having a minimal Christmas. All right, first and foremost, create a budget and stick to it. So much of overspending when it comes to Christmas is you're in the moment, you're in the spirit, and you're like, oh yeah, yes, 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 yes. Listen, Honestly, do a Christmas budget. You want to do something really weird? List out all the people you want to buy gifts for and put dollar amounts next to all their names and say, here's the amount of money I'm going to spend on each of these people. And stick to that, you guys. I mean, honestly, it it helps so much to stay in control of your money. And then also cash out some of your Christmas budget and say, okay, here's, here's my money for gifts. And this is it. And once the money's out, it's out. So you can actually see it, tangibly hold it when you're spending it. Those kind of things really help you stay within budget and will create a kind of a minimal Christmas because a lot of people go way over budget and way over what they intend to spend and ends up maxing everything out. Next, this kind of hurts my heart a little, but it's just true. Say no to the matching Christmas clothes and PJs. Okay, I knocked this. I said no, no. About two years ago, I was like, I'm done. Because one year, 
when Charles was born, I was like, oh, we need matching pajamas. And I waited to last minute and everything was basically sold out and things that weren't were so expensive. They like knew the dramatic, needy moms like me. They were like, oh my gosh, I have to get it, I have to get it. I was gonna buy it, I was gonna buy it. I was gonna spend too much money and I did. And so I just thought, you know what, I'm not doing it. They can have some cute Christmas pajamas. I'm not against that, but feeling like everything has to match and all this, no. But I also will confess that my mother-in-law gets matching pajamas for all the grandkids. So I know it's eventually coming for us, which is very, very nice. So I will asterisk that situation, but it's not worth running around with your hair on fire just to get matching pajamas. Also, I would say, say yes to the Christmas parties if you want to go and enjoy with friends, but say no to the pricey hostess gifts. So some people feel like they have to go and bring this elaborate gift for the hostess, and it is still very kind to bring something. But you can do this and get really creative with it. You know, you could DIY a gift. You can even offer to bring part of the meal, maybe just a bottle of wine or a salad or an appetizer. And if you want to make something, this is actually a really great option, not just for hostess gifts, but other people as well. So baked goods, creating your own loose leaf tea or hot cocoa kits, super cute. Candles, Christmas scented soap and lotion a cocktail kit with a recipe card, and you can make like a fun flavored simple syrup, get a little bottle of liquor and a little garnish and just put it together and super cute. You can make your own little cocktail. Homemade ornaments. And again, these are just a few, but this is a really great option. Just make sure that you're not spending so much money on all the supplies for the DIY gift that it defeats the purpose because DIY can be expensive. So just be aware. Next, get minimal when it comes to wrapping your gifts and wrapping paper. So you can find really creative ways with things like craft paper, and you can even check out a video I did last year on cheap gift wrapping, so I'll put the link in the description. Also, educate your kids on giving back. So the Christmas season isn't all just about getting gifts, right? This is the season of giving. So I would really, really challenge you guys, you know, volunteer somewhere with your family. Give your kids a certain amount of money and do an angel tree. Like do something where they're giving back to others. Also, you can try the four gift rule. So this is something to wear, something to read, something you need, and something you want. And I love this because again, it makes it minimal. And you can say, okay, we have our categories. The kids even know ahead of time maybe that this is what you're doing, so they're not shocked. But it's just kind of a fun way to do it. So I would also say if it's you and your spouse, this sounds very not romantic, but you can just cut out gifts completely. Yeah. Winston and I did this a few years ago. We just said, we're not, not going to buy each other gifts. We're not big gift, you know, we're not big gift people anyways. And so we've kind of just relieved the pressure of that. So majority of anniversaries, Christmas, Valentine's Day, all the big gift-giving things, we're just like, no, we'll go out to a nice dinner or like do an experience or something together. But we've kind of taken the pressure off. And let's be honest, even though you share money when you're married, it's still saving you money. Also, I would recommend instead of just buying a ton of Christmas candles, because we all love the smell of Christmas, look up how to do homemade aromatherapy to make your house smell really amazing. So even things like cinnamon sticks and an orange peel and like boil some water on the stove for real can make like the most beautiful aroma through your house. And it's so cheap. It's so cheap. And actually, that would be a great DIY gift as well, like putting all that together for a gift for someone. Brilliant. 
Also, I would say, you know, fun activities can cost a lot of money. So what are the free things you can do? Like drive around, look at Christmas lights. My kids love this. You know, get your minivan or your car, your SUV, get all your kids in there, get some hot chocolate, get some big blankets, put on Christmas music and just drive through the neighborhoods and look at all the fun Christmas lights. So that's an easy one. That's one we did, you know, even back in the 80s. And it's still cool today. <laughs> so I just want you to remember that you don't have to go to every single event either when it comes to Christmas. So if you're invited to all these different parties or all these different secret Santas or all these meat Santa, you know, milk and cookies, all this stuff, you can say no, especially if you're trying to get out of debt or you're trying to free up your time. Already, as we're filming this, there's been three like, Santa's coming, bring your kids. And I'm like, I can't. I can't. I can't do it anymore. I used to try to do the mall Santa. I used to do this Santa and that Santa. And I'm like, I can't. I can't. Too much. Too much. So I'm going to give you permission. Just say no. Don't feel like you have to do it all. You're going to be okay and your kids are going to be okay. So that that's just a few tips when it comes to having a minimal Christmas. And again, I just want to relieve you from the expectation that either friends are putting on you, family's putting on you, culture's putting on you, and do what you want to do. There is freedom in that. There is freedom in saying no. That, again, saves you time. It saves you money. And just know you can actually enjoy the Christmas season by not spending a bunch of money, and especially on stuff that you don't want. So give you that permission to have Christmas cheer and save some money. I have my friend and fellow Ramsey personality, best-selling author, Dr. John Deloney is back. Thanks for Good coming back you. on. Thank you. So fun. Okay, so we're going to talk about setting boundaries and resentment. Mm. <laughs> Two very exciting topics because the holidays are coming up. And this is a real thing for a lot of people. So whether I think it's, it's the thing. <sighs> it's the thing. Yeah, I think it might be, right? It is. Okay, so first, explain what resentment is. Okay, I like to explain resentment in contrast to guilt, okay? Yes. So this is an oversimplification, but guilt is when I do something that violates my core picture of the way I'm supposed to be, okay. okay? I'm supposed to keep a perfect house and the house isn't perfect. I feel guilty, right? Yeah. I didn't do a thing that I thought I was supposed to do. Resentment is this idea that you have dominion over me, right? It's me feeling bad because of a perceived injustice or a power differential or a thing you did to me. Okay. And so I used to, like uh, Brene Brown has a great talk about this, but I used to think it was, resentment was me getting mad at you. Yeah. And it's not. Resentment is me being envious of you. The power you have over me, the way you can make me do things that I don't want to do, the fact that you ruined my holidays, and I just have to sit in it, right? Yes. That's resentment. That's resentment. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so how are boundaries and resentment? I think I know the answer, mm -hmm. but I want to hear yours. How are they connected? Or like the lack of boundaries, how that creates resentment, specifically around, well, the holidays, but just in life. I think whenever we put up boundaries, we feel guilty, right? Because uh -huh. boundaries come with, no, I'm not going to. I don't feel comfortable doing that. I'm exhausted. This isn't a good season for our family. And when we do that, we have this picture of Thanksgiving is when everyone has to get together. And Christmas is when we have to spend all this money. And that's not what a boundary is. A boundary says, this is our budget. This is what we have. This is what our family can deal with this year. And so then if you don't have boundaries, it bleeds into, I, I give autonomy of my life over to you. Yes. Or if it's an abusive relationship, you take it from me mm -hmm. and you decide what I'm doing, right? And there's no boundaries and my life becomes subjugated to your life, right? Okay, what's so funny is like as adults, 
you think as a kid, right? Kids, teenagers, they look at adults and they're like, oh, if only I could be an adult. It's so easy. I can do what I want, all of this. And then you get to be an adult, you're like, oh, I'm so unhealthy. There's oh, all dude, these it's like, the worst. It's the worst. Strings and attachments. So when I actually I, think it's worse when you're an adult because when you're a kid, you don't know. Well, you don't know, and there's somebody lording over you. Always, because you're a child. You when don't I'm have an authority. adult and I don't want to go to Thanksgiving with my parents, yes. it's because I'm choosing not to go. And that's a totally different proposition. And we don't have any roadmaps for that. No. So talk through that. What does that look like to set the boundary, though? Because the two hopefully say, hey, I don't want to resent you, so I'm going to hold right. a boundary, right? Yep. That's healthy for me and my family. So whether it's relational, uh, financial, mm. How do people do that and do that well? Like even on the financial side, for a lot of people, it's like, let's spend $100 on every cousin and buy a gift for everyone. And you're like, oh my gosh, we can't do that. So I'm going to draw a financial boundary and say, hey, our family's not going to do that this year. Do you have to give an explanation? Like talk me through like okay. what that conversation looks like. So a principle, a guiding philosophy in the Deloney house yep. is we choose guilt over resentment. Okay, choose guilt over resentment. That means if everybody's having a big holiday party, and it's gonna require us to alter our travel plans to get back, and we're gonna have to go buy new outfits, and we're gonna have to find a sitter, and it's too hard to find. It's not gonna work for our family this season. I can feel guilty for saying we can't make it, yeah. or we can cram it all in, go be miserable the whole time, and we're gonna resent everybody who invited us, we're gonna resent the whole stupid party, and next year, and by the way, you should've, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna choose guilt this year. I'm mm. going to violate my own picture of the holidays, in order to not resent you. I want my kids to always think of trips to grandma's house as fun. I want to always think of the holidays with my mom mm -hmm. as so fun. So this year, we're gonna say no. Okay, so what if it's a hard boundary though mm -hmm. for life? Like, it's not just this holiday we're skipping out of, but it's like, hey, maybe, I know you talk about this on your show all the time, but there's an abusive, you know, mm -hmm. verbal situation with a parent and an adult child has to cut off or whatever the thing may be. When do you know, okay, I need to set a hard boundary for life versus I just need to suck it up and be part of the family and mm -hmm. do it. Like, is there a difference? Yeah, I took a call today on my show, actually, and the woman called in and said, everything in my body tells me that I can't have my brother in my life anymore, but, and I stopped it right there. I said, somewhere along the way, somebody told you to stop listening to your body. Mm. Listen to it. If you think about going to this holiday event and your heart starts beating faster and you get that warm feeling in your, in your gut, yeah. are you just start getting angry? Listen to that. Mm. That's your. That's the most innate signal we have. And we have so much, you know I can shut that up with another drink. You know I can shut that up with another Netflix show, right? I'm gonna listen to that. And then, this is important for me, because I'm an emotional guy, I'm loud, I talk too much, I run my mouth. I always have somebody I can check in with. Am I reading this wrong? Am I a scumbag if I don't go to all the holidays this year? Here's my budget situation. Here's what our family's going through right now. Yeah. And my friend will go, dude, you've got to go to the funeral. I don't care what's going on. You've got to go. Or this is your mom. She's 78. You got So, okay, you're right. I'm going to outsource that sometimes to somebody yes. else because I don't listen well when I get emotional. Okay, that's a great point. And that's part of having community around that's community. you. That's right. People that know you well enough right. to speak into that. Okay, so... Let's say it's a, we'll use the money piece, mm. right? That it's like, hey, we're not buying gifts for the family this year. Yes. So extended family, sorry, we're not going to do that. Walk me through how to have that conversation. Yes, well. thank you for saying it that way. We often, when we're trying to navigate guilt and resentment, we expect people to read our minds because we want to avoid a hard conversation, and then we judge them when they don't. 
So we decide, me and my wife, or you and Winston decide, mm-hmm. we're not buying gifts this year. The kids have enough junk. We're going on a trip someday. Yep. We're, we're just calling it. We need to tell the family that we're not buying gifts. Yeah, we need to tell them. Yeah. And we'll hint around, like, we don't think we're going to buy gifts this year because we want to spend more. But we don't come out and say it clearly and yes. put our boundaries on the table. And so then they buy gifts and we get our feelings hurt or we start the resentment. So step one is stepping back and identifying, here's what our needs are right now in the season. Here's what our needs are as a family. Here's our values in this particular season. And those things change over time. And then communicating them very clearly. In our house, we send emails around. Here's the holiday season. Here's when we are hosting. Here's when we're not hosting. Here's when we'll be where. Because, man, Mm -hmm. you call somebody and they're on the way home after a hard meeting. You're like, hey, we're coming on Wednesday at 3 p.m., so pick us up at... That's a disaster, right? We email, and it sounds impersonal, but everybody stays on the same page. No, it's a good, and even having a visual in writing mm-hmm. where you're like, there's evidence. I'm like, right, yeah. I said it. I said look, it, yeah. Look, there, there it is. Okay, so I don't, wouldn't have issue with a lot of that, right? Mm-hmm. Communicating stuff is not my, like, mm-hmm. it's not my, my fear would come into, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Right. So, so what do you do with that? So kill, choose guilt over resentment. So choose guilt. So you're yeah. going to hurt somebody's feelings, and here's the important part. When you put a boundary down, you can always expect that someone's going to run up and hit it with their head and see if it holds. They're going to run head first uh. into it. And they're going to have their own feelings about that. And they get to have their feelings. Their feelings often have nothing to do with me. And when I try to take the burden of their feelings on and yes. carry it for them, yes. that's, a, that's resentment, right? Yeah. I'm going to— I'm going right to Yes, yes, yes. So I'm going to let you have your feelings. And my mom's going to call and say, I can't believe you're— Thank you for sharing that. And I might hang up I the phone. <laughs> Listen, I may hang the phone up and cry. I may sure. hang the phone up and be so mad. Yeah. But I'm going to choose guilt over resentment. Yes. It's so good. And I'm making it sound so easy. No, I know. No, no, it's no. It's the worst. Yeah. It's the worst. It's not a good feeling. It's worse. Okay. Is there a point? I may have just had this conversation, not in my own life, <laughs> but with someone just about 10 minutes ago. And they say, oh, it's just not worth my mom being mad. It's not worth it. Just go. Mm-hmm. We're just going to go. Is there ever a point you give in to the boundary you're going to set? If it's not worth the fight, it's not worth the fight. When I hear that type of language, that sounds borderline abusive. And that sounds borderline manipulative. And some people are abusive and manipulative by getting loud and beating their chest and saying, you'll do what I say. Yeah. And sometimes people are abusive and manipulative. In counseling, we call it from the one down position. Oh, I guess I'll just do Thanksgiving by myself because my kids don't even love me anymore. And I guess I'll just eat in the kitchen because y'all didn't get me a seat. And so that's as much of a power move as anything else, right? So whether you're in a relationship that's truly abusive, whether it's emotional or physical or psychological, instead of saying, well, this is just the way this is, I would much rather somebody feel guilty and seek help, seek safety, than to just say, well, this is my lot. This is the way this is. Right. And then all the way over to a manipulative mom, right, who's just wants it the way she wants it. And I don't care how you feel. I want every kid around my kitchen table, (laughs) every holiday. Sorry, mom, this is not going to work out this year. And she's going to do her things. And that's her story, not yours. Yes. But separating that is where the health is, right? Like separating those emotions that it's, you can have yours and I'm going to have mine. A good rule of thumb is, this is something you practice. It's a skill you're learning, yeah. right? It's a skill you're learning. It's not a character defect. I'm not weak. No, you're practicing something you've never done before. And give yourself 24 hours before you respond to mm, a guilt grenade, right? I just made that up. I a guilt it, yeah. grenade, right? Oh, you're not coming or the text. I'm sorry, I didn't 
get that right. You're not coming to my wedding or whatever. 24 hours. Hey, I'm not going to be able to make it. Yeah, thanks. Or I'm going to call you, right? And yeah. make it super awkward. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to give it 24 hours. Really just hit it head I'm going to give it 24 hours before I respond. That way I've got time to settle down and um, not say, um, okay, I'll go, right? And then yeah. all of a sudden I'm on the resent train. Totally. Okay, so John, what would you say to someone that's feeling the resentment already towards mm. their family this holiday season? They're feeling it. Like, what do they do with those emotions, those conversations? I think first you're going to feel those emotions and call them for what they are, right? You're not just going to walk around and throw your anger or frustration or snippets at your family, at your kids. Don't kick the dog, right? Ask yourself, why am I feeling like this? Oh, it's because I agreed to this party and it's getting closer and closer. And every time we go... Mom does her grandstanding thing. Dad drinks too much and starts talking about politics and COVID again. I, I just don't call it out what it is, okay? If there's enough time, and it's a hospitality thing for me. So if they haven't ordered food, if they haven't bought tickets to things, if it's still in their imagination and in their mind, it's not too late to call mm-hmm. and say, hey, we realized this isn't a good season for us. Our calendar's a mess. We've got stuff going on at the house. Financially, we can't make this work. Whatever your reasoning is, be open and honest. And then brace for it because it's coming, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's kind of on you. You didn't set the standard up front. It's okay. It's coming. Accept it. Say thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. We look forward to having this conversation again next year. And then deal with your guilt because it's coming, right? Yes. Okay, so if you're feeling the resentment and just the oof, would that be a time to set a boundary and say you shouldn't go? Yes. If you feel resentment, yes. just go ahead and set the boundary. And now, if you can remove yourself— that's the best thing. Yes. Now, going back to the hospitality thing, if somebody's already bought tickets, know, if the right. chef has already left the station, if it's safe, it's not abusive, sure, go. sure. Yes. Go and learn your lesson. Yeah. Right? Go and learn your lesson. I'll go to Thanksgiving and I get to choose my attitude. This is how I started with our family trips, right? It started with me saying, wait a minute. I'm already deciding I'm going to be miserable for the next week. Right. What a dumb way to enter the holidays. I'm going to decide I'm going to have the most fun ever. I don't care what. The, and yeah. weirdly, the whole house lifted up a little bit because yes. I chose to change my attitude. Um, but this year was the first year in our house that we said, hey, it's just not a good year for us. Mm. And all of our family went, Oh, thank God, somebody said it. Everyone exhaled. It oh, was beautiful. Funny? Yeah, yes. it was wonderful. Because sometimes that's what people are thinking, whether it's the craziness of the busyness of the schedules or the buying of gifts, like whatever the thing is, most people are feeling that. Yeah, yeah. And isn't it funny it takes one person just to be like, can we take a step back? And everyone's like, oh my gosh, thank God. Because yes. they didn't have the courage to do it, right? Or yeah, whatever the thing right, is to right. do it. So stepping forward actually may relieve other people. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, so if there's been somebody and they have had resentment for years, mm-hmm. years and years and years towards their family, is there ever a way to reconcile when you've gotten to this point of, yeah, you're just, you resent them? So this is hard because I believe that every relationship is ultimately reconcilable to some degree. Mm-hmm. And the research tells me that when a relationship, when people end up resenting one another, that's the sign that your relationship is in ash, mm-hmm. right? So you're not going to be able to reclaim what was. When you find yourself resenting somebody, especially over a long period of time, the choice back into that relationship to re-engage it is a choice to build something completely new, really from scratch. This is who I am. This is who I'm going to be. This is how I'm going to show up in this relationship. These are going to be my boundaries. And if you want to meet me here, I'm willing to go forward. That's what that's going to look like. That's a hard place to come back from, especially in marriages, especially in in in-law situations or family situations. It does take a control-alt-delete and everybody realizing we're we're building something completely new. Yeah, I love it. So great, John. Thanks for the conversation. Seriously, it's so good. It's so helpful because 
everyone's story is different. Everyone's story is unique. Relationships have all the twists and turns, the baggage, the good, the bad, everything, but knowing how to navigate that. And we're talking more on the relational side, but even the financial side, you guys, setting those financial boundaries this holiday season. And yes, maybe having guilt much better than the resentment train. So, so good. John, thanks for being on. Thank you. Where can everyone find you? You can find me at John Deloney on the internets and you can find the Dr. John Deloney show on YouTube or wherever you download your podcast. Podcast, yes. Check out a show, you guys. It's so, so good. Hey guys, it's Rachel Cruz here to tell you about a faith-based alternative to health insurance that can make healthcare more affordable. Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM allows members to share each other's healthcare costs, and it's as easy as one, two, three. Step one, choose the healthcare provider you want. Step two, submit your eligible bills. And step three, get reimbursed. CHM members take care of your eligible medical bills. With no networks and the freedom to choose your healthcare provider, CHM is the best option for Christians who want to take care of their families and help other believers. Find out more at chministries.org slash budget. So I remember when I graduated college and went into the workforce, millennials had a bad rap. People were like, oh, those millennials, those millennials. They just complained about millennials all the time. Thought we were lazy, We were kind of that first cusp of of technology and social media. We were kind of on the front end of it. Anyways, I just always felt like people just complained about millennials. Nowadays, I feel like everyone complains about Gen Z. (laughs) So I want to break down a little bit of what I've been seeing around this generation because there are some themes that are very true and studies and articles back this up. But one of the things about Gen Z that I think is really important to encourage them, if you're Gen Z watching or you have a Gen Zer in your life that you love, you know, one of the themes is that Gen Z just believes that their parents had a way easier time when it comes to money, when it comes to life, basically, than they have right now. And that it's really impossible for them to get ahead because life is so hard right now. So let's address a couple of these things because I have some Gen Zers that I know in life that actually are very interested in money. And in fact, they're kind of the opposite end of the spectrum where they kind of hold their money tightly. They're watching their millennial siblings maybe and their parents, you know, the boomers struggling right now, kind of freaking out all this debt. And they're kind of, they're making different life choices and they're kind of holding tight and saying, okay, I don't want to be like that. So there's some of them that are very, very cautious, which is great. And then there's another half of them that are just like, YOLO, just you only live once, might as well go spend and enjoy life. And that half, an article was written about them in Yahoo Finance that was titled, Half of Gen Z Sees No Point in Saving Until Life Goes Back to Normal. So here's what they're doing instead. And the article goes on to say that they're not saving, that they're spending tons of money on travel, they're spending it on personal growth. So they're starting businesses, so they're getting more education, you know, whatever it may be that they are just spending money. So they're not saving, they are spending. And here's what's tough is like, yeah, where we are right now, sure, it is hard, right? Real estate is out the wazoo, inflation is here. Yes, it is hard. But this theme that half of that generation has that says, oh my, everyone else has it easier and we don't and we don't. Here's the truth. Like your parents did have it hard. They did. 
And they worked their butts off as well. And what I hate for Gen Z is this perspective of what life is. And a lot of their perspective honestly comes through social media. I was scrolling through Instagram and saw this reel of this girl. And it literally, I sent it to like four different people. I'm sorry, I laughed at her. I don't want to be mean. But I was like, who? Who the heck are these people? And this girl was like, here's a, I mean, she had to have been 23, 24, I mean, early 20s. And she's like, here's a day in the life of me working in downtown Chicago. So I get up and I make my, she goes through her routine. She walks the office. She's like, I get there early. I open my laptop. She, she said, like, I check my email for about 45 minutes. Then I go down to the coffee bar and make sure I get this, this, and this, and this. And then my friends come from work and we make sure that we meet and we get our snack before our gluten-free, homemade, you know, snacks. And then we go up and we work a little bit more. Then we go down to lunch. And then we leave for happy hour that an advertising firm is having. We walk down, you know, she's like, filming on, it's all put together. It's all like a minute. Basically, she ends, and I'm not even exaggerating, in a park on Lake Michigan with a blanket and wine. It's like, great night for wine and, and charcuterie with my girls. And I was like... <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. Good for you. Good for you, Sarah, whoever you are. But everyone else is watching you, Sarah, and thinking, why is my life not as good as Sarah's? Because your life looks pretty dang good, Sarah. Looks pretty dang good. But that's not real life, you guys. That's not how it works. It's not how life works. And I'm so sad that a generation sees that in front of them. It's like, that's how my life should be. And it is. Life is just harder. Not to be Debbie Downer, but it is. So when I see things like that, or I hear Gen Zers say, you know, my parents could buy this house for 100000 Now it's going to cost 500000 You know, all the things. I just want to say to you, I'm really sorry because I know it's hard. Life is hard. It is. It is. But instead of complaining about it or having a false reality of what life is, let's just like, get to it and say, you know what? I have a little bit of grit in my life. I'm going to work hard, work really hard. It may not look glamorous, but I'm going to work hard and I'm going to work with the reality that's been given to me. So the reality of our world today, yeah, real estate is higher. Inflation is high. All of it. We are all feeling it. But sitting around and just complaining about it doesn't do anything. So actually having goals and be motivated towards something and know what you're aiming for, that's what's going to help to say, okay, here's the reality of where I am. Numbers don't have emotions. They're not sad. These numbers on the sheet of paper, they're not sad or happy for me. It's me deciding what's my attitude going to be and how am I going to move forward. Another thing, Gen Z, I just want you to be aware of, and anyone watching really, is just, again, that victim mentality and just complaining even publicly about things and not offering a solution. So I just want to give you some encouragement that we've all been through hard times, okay? We've all experienced it, but you can do this. But I don't want you to fall, again, for the mindset that, well, just because life is harder and life is more expensive, I can't do anything. I don't want you to fall for the mindset that, well, might as well wait till life is normal again and there's not inflation and life is back to normal, then I'll save take bad advice. I don't want you taking bad advice of get rich quick stuff of like, well, if you do this and this and this and this, then everything works great. And, and that's how you make money. Okay. Red flag when things are very instant and very get rich quick feel, they're not going to work. So those are some kind of warnings for you to just say, hey, take the common sense approach when it comes to money. Money comes from work. Work is hard. It's not always fun. But guess what? We got to do it. Yeah to make money, to go and eat and like pay rent and our mortgages and stuff, right? It's part of the reality. So again, instead of just kind of 
sitting back and complaining about it. Let's find solutions to say, okay, here's my situation. Here's my lifestyle. Here's what I want. Here's what I need. Mapping it all out with a budget, with saving money, having an emergency fund, not using debt, using common sense money principles to really change your life. So again, not to harp on Gen Z so much because I know half of you are awesome and you're doing great things, but to the ones that have a hopeless kind of eh, attitude about life, I just want to say, you can do this. You can do this. So again, I know it's easier just to chalk it up that, oh, my parents had it easier, but we don't want to compare to our parents and we want to be smart with our money today. All right, I want to thank Dr. John Deloney for being on the show and thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, make sure to hit that follow button. And if the spirit leads, you can leave a review. And as always, make sure to take control of your money and create a life you love.